Today, I'm excited to welcome my fellow podcaster and encourager, Taylor Rambo. Yes, Rambo. She is a wife and mama of one, but soon to be two, with a passion for encouraging other people, especially fellow moms and other women. She does this through various avenues and multiple titles, including being a blogger, having her own website, and as I mentioned, having her own podcast. Uh, it's She's highly encouraging, authentic, and just a joy to talk to. Please enjoy my conversation with Taylor Rambo. Taylor, thanks so much for joining the Micro Brown Podcast. How many times, first and foremost, how many times have you been on someone else's podcast since you have your own? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I honestly am not sure. <laughs> I've, really? Okay. I've, I've been on a few podcasts and a few, like some will have videos. So it's not really a podcast. It's more like a channel. So I'm not entirely sure. I honestly probably should keep track of that, but I don't. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're really popular. No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I um, It's just when things started booming with the book and stuff, it, I was just able to connect with a lot of people. So, I, I mean, some of them are always interviews. It, a lot of, some of it's just, like I said, getting the opportunity to connect and build relationships with people on whatever platform they're using. Um, so, yeah. But podcast-wise, I would say podcast specifically, yours is probably my third. Okay, Cool. So you're getting to that super popular everybody knows your name <laughs> stage. Got it. We're just helping facilitate that. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I in my mind, I, I feel like the more people that know about what you're doing, the more of an impact you can have. So let's get it out there. Let's just have you on every podcast. <laughs> I appreciate interview. that. Well, we'll get in more to, to what you do um, and how you got to where you are, but would love to know um, some of your background. That's where I always like to start. Want to know the human being, the human being behind the microphone and behind the the keyboard for the blogs? But um, we'll dive into specifics, of course. But give us a brief background up until you know you transitioning to podcasting. Yes, yeah, so I played college basketball. I was big into basketball, still am, and became a coach after that. So I was a graduate assistant, high school coach, and middle school coach my first year out. So all at the same time, and That's not then busy at all. Yeah, Goodness I know. I gracious. thought, and I was getting my master's, so I thought I was going to lose my mind. I functioned on like three hours of sleep <laughs> and lots of coffee. So, <laughs> um, but then two years. Uh, I was a high school coach and teacher, loved it. And then I decided when my husband and I moved down here and I was pregnant with our baby girl, our oldest, I thought I might need to transition right now. So I became a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for two years. And this past year, I resigned from my youth pastor position and am now working just on Better Not Perfect. I do teach online English a few hours, not much. And um, it turned out to be really good timing because we're pregnant with our second baby and it has been a tough pregnancy. So my journey has been all over the place and I don't even know how to define exactly what I do at this point, but I've gotten to a place in the last few months that I think I'm okay with that. Nice. Is it, so your journey sounds a little bit like mine in terms of like, I mean, Exactly. I was uh, um, getting my master's during my first year of teaching while coaching also on top of that. So I have some empathy there for you. Um, is there like an underlying theme between everything that you've done that maybe that's been like your guiding focus 
whether or not you've realized it prior to this question, I don't know, but because <laughs> I know the jobs can be kind of all over the place, but you feel grounded in each step that you're taking. Mm-hmm. Is there something that makes you feel grounded? What's that common thread? I think now coming back to it is just being able to impact people, but the goal has been to impact people in a positive way, whether that was students or kids or players. And now coming and looking at it, impacting people who either listen to the podcast or join in on the blog. So that's really the underlying theme. Honestly, I think if we don't have a purpose behind it, then we probably shouldn't be doing it. So we don't always know exactly why necessarily, but I think my purpose has always been if I'm not impacting somebody positively, encouraging somebody, then there's no point in me doing what I do. So that's that's been the underlying theme for me. The exact words you used are what I used in my, um, it was a philosophy of teaching for my master's of education. My philosophy, I'm not making this up, was have a positive impact in my students' lives. Mm -hmm. And then when I left teaching, it was have a positive impact in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And just now with the podcast, it's have a positive impact in the world. Mm -hmm. So whatever that may look like, whatever the, the flesh on that may turn out to be, the underlying theme is I, I want to make sure that every person I talk to, every life that I touch, that I, I leave it better than when I entered into the picture. And the world and needs like, that. Like where, where oh, we're yeah. at, you know, we need people who want to want to make a positive impact. And so I think if that's not the drive behind it, it's like maybe there's a problem there. Maybe we need to reevaluate, oh, you know, for sure. what we're there's doing. There's no maybe. It's There's definitely a problem there. <laughs> yeah. And like, even I've, I have found recently with the people that I'm closest to that I love, you know, where we have the tendency to just kind of like blow past but having a positive impact on their lives, like specifically with my husband, because in a marriage, it's just tough to begin with. Right. Oh, yeah. And lately I'm like, how am I having a positive impact on his life? And if I'm not, then the actions that I'm taking and the steps that I'm taking and even my closest relationships, there's a problem. And so I've even had to evaluate that in the last few months. And I think that's really been something that's been revealed to me specifically um, during this time too. So I think in every aspect, it's what's the driving force behind it. Is it to make a, an impact? Is it positive? And if not, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing pretty much check yourself. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing is checking myself. Lately. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, so two things to that one, um, when I was uh, still a teacher, I would tell my students, you know, the, the most important question that you can ask is why, but obviously don't be that annoying person that asks why just to ask it, like have a purpose behind like it. Like my two year old. Right. Exactly. Mommy, mommy, mom. Why? Why? Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's, yeah. So there's that. And whenever even I, you can ask Elizabeth this, anytime I do something, I get very introspective as to why did I just respond that way? Mm. Why was my attitude even starting off before Elizabeth even said anything? Why was I already feeling that way? Mm. Um, and sometimes that's led to uh, a hypercritical mindset of myself <laughs> and it's not productive to a certain point. But the second thing I was going to say is we're doing a marriage counseling um, or marriage premarital counseling for a couple. And we talked about kind of what you're saying. I'll put it in different words. So the people that are closest to us, we get really comfortable. And so we kind of lose sight of, you know, how are we actually interacting with that person? Like you're saying, are we leaving a positive impact even on the people closest to us? Mm-hmm. Or are we just so chill and relaxed that we're kind of like, eh, 
They'll forgive Whatever. me. They can't leak. Yeah, they'll forgive yeah. me. <laughs> and you're, he knows I love him. Yeah. Like, he's not worried about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know. This is my favorite question. I'd love to know what obstacles or events in your life have most shaped your character or who you are as a person and how. You know, Micah, this one might take a while for me to answer because <laughs> um, the last two years of my life, our life has sucked. I mean, I don't even, like I've literally tried to be not so blunt about it lately, but I'm like, it just sucks. Everything just feels like it sucks. Um, and before that, I, if people, they can go and read my book, but I lay out kind of all of the things that I experienced as a kid. I had a my childhood was just really tough. Um, well, and what's the name of your book for our listeners to hear? Reckless Grace with a W. So they can find it on Amazon and get it in ebook cool. or paperback. So, um, but yeah, I just, I share my journey with that. So I won't go too far into detail, but recently um, our family has just been through more than honestly, it's to the point where every day I'm like, I really don't know how much more I can take. And to the breaking point and thinking, I thought everything, all the worse was over. Right. And, um, some of it I can't share cause it's not my necessarily my story to share. I'm involved, but, um, and then other parts of it, it's just like from the small things every day to the pregnancy being tough to me trying to take a faith step and resigning from my job to pursue better, not perfect. And, to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do next, to having a extremely tough pregnancy that has not allowed me really to work on anything with Better Not Perfect. As soon as I got pregnant, as soon as I resigned, it all happened at the same time. And I, you know this, I was so sick, I couldn't get out of bed for 12 weeks. And it's just been, and I have a toddler. And so it's just been tough. The last few months have been really tough for our family. We're still navigating a ton. And I think right now, the biggest obstacle for me is, again, answering that question of what's next and actually trying to figure that out. Because I'm a person, I'm a planner. That's a big deal for me. And my plan has not worked out at all. (laughs) And um, I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And what is the issue right now? Like where, where I am, where what, why am I so stuck? Why do I feel so stuck? Why do I, why does it feel like hell every day? Why, you know, and I try to find the positives like, oh, I have my daughter and I have my husband and I'm grateful for our baby to come. But then it's like, at the same time, it does not change my reality that things just suck. They just do, you know, at the time. And you get to this place where you're like, I know I'm supposed to do the right things and work hard to, get out of this situation, but that's not always the case. And I'll get a little spiritual here. I feel like God has really been teaching me in this year alone that right now my plan is not lining up with his. And I've the biggest thing for me is I have started questioning a lot of several aspects of my faith lately to the point where it's like, God, do I really believe what I thought I believed about you do the, are the truths that, and keep in mind, I was a youth pastor. So it's like, are the truths that people have said about you, are those things I actually adopted from the beginning or is it just stuff I've kind of just agreed to because that's what you do as a Christian, right? Right. The biggest obstacle has been questioning truths about my faith and truths about God. 
And I feel like because I haven't had the answers to some of those things, it has shaken everything else around me. And I feel like God has really used this time to reveal to me, like, I need you to dig a little bit deeper and I need you to reset your foundation. Then we can go from there. Right. Um, and so that, that's my most recent obstacle, I would say. And, um, and yeah, now it's just trying to figure out what I'm doing next after this year. I'm giving myself this year to just be with my daughter, be welcome our baby into the world and just go, okay, where do I go from here? What am I, what's, what's Mm -hmm. next for better, not perfect. What's next career wise, what's next for our family? What does that look like? And so the obstacle has been not really not having a plan because normally I do. And then God going, you can't have a plan until you come back and figure out what it is you know about me. And so that's hard when you go through the transition that I went through as a child and then discovering my faith or what I thought was discovering my faith. And now getting to the point, I'm 27 years old with two kids about to be, and I'm like, I don't even know. Like if my daughter were to ask me something about God or about faith, can I even answer it truthfully? And can I be authentic? And right now the answer is no, I I have not known. And so I've really, really had to dig deep in that. So um, I'm just kind of, I feel stuck, but I've also learned that we have to get to this place where we just go, okay, I am where I am. That doesn't mean I need to stay there, but I've got to be okay with it right now. Right. Because if not, I would literally lose my mind and I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression already. And I'm like, I am where I am and I'm not going to stay here. And even if you're in a great place, you're likely not going to stay there. Life doesn't work that way. And if you're in a bad place, you don't want to. Right. And so now I'm just like, okay, I got to be okay with where I am. And then I got to figure out what I'm supposed to do. What's the next right step for me to move forward and getting to a place where I feel better. I feel more comfortable. My anxiety levels are low, lower, you know, where I'm a healthy person and I'm healthy for my family. And so, um, yeah, I just, (laughs) I feel like the obstacles don't stop, but, um, I'm figuring it out as I go. That's about all. That's about all you can yeah. do, right? <laughs> For real. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when quarantine was first instated, my uncle who is, he interacts with Homeland Security up in DC a lot and not because he's getting in trouble, but he, he advises uh, companies of new like mandates or whatever. And he said, just remember when you interned here, the people that survive are the ones who can adapt. Mm. And so what you're saying is, don't just stay put and like stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, like, like you're saying you gotta at least be okay right where you are. Don't go stir crazy. Just embrace the moment. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to love it or enjoy every bit of it, but just embrace it and then adapt with the changes that come. And like you said, things may be going great. doesn't mean it's going to happen even next week, you know, mm-hmm. um, for us, I, I've only shared this with maybe like four people, including my wife. Um, I got so angry the other day when I was told that I might have ankylosing spondylitis. Um, I went to the bathroom in this house, which is not our house. Uh, we've been in this Airbnb for three months now because um, our house flooded. And um, 
I shut the two different bathroom doors, sat on the toilet, turned on the fan and just started yelling and punching the floor because I was like, I don't want to put a hole in this wall. So I started punching the tile floor with just a rug between my fists and the floor until I couldn't feel both of my hands. I was so angry. I've never been that angry at God directly in my entire life. But I, I started journaling everything that's happened in our lives since June. And it was overwhelming, even just like regurgitating everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is unreal. Like you can't write a story this bad. You know, like if you've made a fictional story or TV show, no one would want to watch it. They're like, when is this going to turn around? Like, this is depressing. I don't want to watch this. So um, anyway, that I I can understand where you're coming from. I grew up in a Christian family, went to Christian school. You used to be one of the four directors for our, our youth group. I was the worship director. And I'm sitting here going, God, I don't get this. I don't doubt that you're real, but I don't understand why you got to let all of this happen. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't understand this. So I can't imagine for two years going through everything. And it's been uh, massive faith steps, right? Like it's like, okay, God, I'm going to get out of a career that provides a pretty substantial amount of income, right? With coaching and teaching to pursue ministry could, because that's what I feel like you're calling me to. And it's like, okay, God, now I feel like you're calling me out of student ministry. I'm going to step away and I'm going to take a big face step. I'm going to resign from my job in the middle of a pandemic, right? I feel like you're calling me to this. I'm going to take this step. And it just, I told my husband Preston, I'm like, it just feels like God is just taking a crap on us. And I, and I told him, I was like, that sucks to say that out loud. You know, like it's almost embarrassing. Like you say, and, and you're like, Ooh, why did I, what? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> where the heck did that come from? And I was like, you know, a God who, you know, just asking questions that I asked when I was younger. And I'm like, that's the problem right there. God is having me I feel like he's just asking me, he's trying to show me something in this season. And if I continue to just focus on how to get out of it, I think I'm going to miss something. And so I wrote on my mirror, live this season on purpose. And right now living this season on purpose is me discovering things about myself, about my faith, about my family, which are extremely important to me. And just trying to go from there so that when life hits us continuously, because that's what, you know, life just doesn't run smoothly all the time. Just trying to have enough of a firm foundation in those areas to go, not today, Satan, like you ain't doing it again, you know? And so I think that's right now just my theme with all the obstacles is, you know, live this season on purpose. And so with all of the things that have been going on in the last two years and all of what feels like some massive faith steps. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to figure it out and I'm trying to live purposeful and just go, okay, don't miss, don't miss it. Don't miss whatever it is I'm supposed to learn in this season. And so um, I would say I'm grateful for it, but I think I'd be lying. <laughs> I'd rather it be no easier, kidding. you know, yeah. um, but it, it is what it is. That's what I, it, that's all I got. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you are living in the present. You can't fast forward and you can't rewind. So yeah. you just, you gotta be here, yeah. man. And I, I used to tell, I haven't shared this. So this is the first time on the podcast, but um, I do think I will be okay. returning to coaching and teaching. So next year, however, all right. That being said, Better Not Perfect will still continue. So I don't, um, I mean, the blog and the podcast, that will still continue. But I feel like that's been an uh, avenue that has allowed me to encourage other people and other people to encourage me for me to have connections and things like that. So I don't want to let that go. But I think that's what I'm being moved back to. But I don't know a thousand percent because it's like, 
again, I thought this was the plan and God's like, nope, got something Psych. different. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. More power to you. Cause I I've even had some students of mine be like, so Mr. Brown, are you coming back? Cause um, three of my former students, arguably some of my favorite students, obviously are babysitters for us. And like, I'm friends with their parents. Um, I, two parents were clients of mine when I was a financial planner. One of them has been a family friend for actually a long time. We didn't figure that out until after his daughter was my student. Um, it's just really weird. He knew my brother, but he didn't realize that Nathan Brown was related to mm -hmm. Micah Brown anyway. And so they've, they've said, you know, have you ever thought about going back to teaching? And I was like, I'll say the same thing I said to y'all when you were in my class. And I know 100% I mentioned this more than once. If I could just be in this classroom and talk to you all about life and things that I wish I had known when I was your age and walk you through whatever you're going through, I would do that every day mm. until I die. However, there's these things called the teaks yeah. that I got to teach <laughs> for social studies. And I, despite my best efforts, I still always get told something's wrong. Uh, and so I just... Eh, I get tired of that. And then not every parents are as cool as your parents. So it's, it's a really uphill yeah. battle. You know, I'm, I'm getting scolded in a parent teacher conference because yeah. you've been late and you've been late because of your band teacher. And so how is this my fault? We're like, I'm told to uphold a standard. Like if you're tardy, you mm -hmm. get marked tardy. I don't understand. So anyway, um, I, more power to you. I miss, I miss my students. That's about it that I miss for, from teaching. I think though. for me, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely missing the sports side of it. So basketball, nice. but, um, and then my husband's a coach and a teacher. And so we don't see each other now to begin with, but what got me the most was thinking about my kids playing sports and going to school and wanting to be able to coach them and teach them. But that being said, I think these last three years have been extremely helpful in terms of not being in that profession because this year alone, I've gotten so much time with my two-year-old than I before I ever would. And then I will get six months with our new baby before I go back. And who, who can say that, you know? Um, yeah. So that's kind of too where I'm like, was this season, these last three years, instead, instead of it being a, a process of really me not knowing what I'm supposed to do or what feels like chaos, was it a blessing and an opportunity to be able to connect with my kid and then have the second kid who I couldn't even get out of bed for? So going to work at this point would not have been feasible. And so yeah. just trying to figure that out. And like I said, it might change. I have been praying strongly about it um, despite all of my frustrations with God. I feel like that's where we're being pulled, where I'm being pulled next. Um, but we will, in fact, see. But I, I did tell my husband one of the main things is I really want to make sure Better Not Perfect continues because I don't feel like this was for no reason. And the last three years allowed me to start Better Not Perfect. It allowed me to launch the podcast and the blog. And so I think it's important for me to maintain those still. So. Looking forward to it, but I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such is life, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, adulting is hard and trying to do it with purpose is even more difficult. Yes. What do we, with that transition to, you know, doing the Better Not Perfect, writing the book, everything, leaving, being a youth pastor, you said that you felt like you were called. How did that transition occur? Was it abrupt? Was it just like, all right, guys, here's my two week notice. You know, I'm out. Like what, 
did that look like? Because I know I know what my own professional transitions have looked like, leaving teaching, going financial planning, going from financial planning to basically being a stay-at-home dad who has a podcast. Um, I know what that looks like for me, but what did that look like for you? Yeah. So moving from teaching to ministry was not easy. Teaching and coaching, I um, it was over time. And even then, I still felt like this could be something I return to, but right now I feel like I'm my heart's being pulled toward ministry. Leaving with the ministry side of things, that was kind of abrupt. Um, some things just started falling apart and um, it was just time for me to leave. And I felt like falling apart within um, our organization, I guess I should say. Church, and yeah. Um, yeah, our church. <laughs> and I just felt like it was time for me to leave. Uh, just personally with the things that I was struggling with. Um, great church uh, still is, you know, but there are just some things, that, some events that unfolded. Like I said, I can't share all of it. It's not my story. Sure. But um, yeah, so at that point, I just got to this place. I felt like it was like, all right, let's do it. Let's Let's take, let's take this step. Let's pursue better, not perfect. And then two weeks later I get super sick. So <laughs> that was, um, Dang. yeah, I feel like transitions though, regardless in life, like they look different for everyone. And I think even transitions within my own life have looked different every single time. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I feel like sometimes we just, there's different seasons. And I feel like at some point we're all going to kind of go through some transitions. Um, but it's just kind of about listening to what we feel called to do and listening to ourselves. Yeah. Um, like starting the blog and the podcast was extremely abrupt. Like it wasn't like I just sat there forever and thought, Oh, in five years, I'm going to start this, you know, <laughs> and it's turned out to be great writing the book. Same thing. And so I think when we kind of take those steps, those faith steps, it winds up being even better than we probably could have imagined. Yeah. And um, like I said, my impact, I didn't know the impact it would have on other people, but I'm grateful that that was a transition that I didn't, you know, ponder on. Cause then I start to get in my own head and go, I don't actually know if I can do this or am I really equipped for this? And it's like, probably not, probably, probably not, not equipped for it, but <laughs> let's do it anyway. You know, Yeah, let's try yeah. And that's what I would say to the people, to people listening, because I know right now, regardless, COVID has like brought up a, a ton of problems for everybody. Right. So yeah, people only are probably, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> people are probably listening and they're, they're going either going through a transition. They just got out of one. They're either questioning what they're supposed to do next. They lost their job. So they're not sure what they're supposed to pursue, you know, things like that. And I just have told people if it's on your heart, do it. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, what do you have to lose at that point? Right. Yeah. And so you either struggle with this shoulda, coulda, woulda, or I did it, tried it, didn't work out. Let's keep moving. What's next? You know? And yeah. that's really what's happened in the last few months. It's like, I've done it. I've tried it. It hasn't worked out. So what's next, you know, and better yeah. not perfect has, and I'm grateful for that. But outside of that, it's like, okay, it's, you know, everything else is not working out the way it's supposed to. So <laughs> let's try something else. <laughs> yeah. So with the transition thing, um, I know that everybody goes through transitions period and our, this is not intended to take a huge rabbit trail, but we have the election literally knocking on our door and that's going to be a transition mm -hmm. for everybody. Either way that goes. Mm -hmm. And 
transitions, I feel like always teach us something about ourselves. Um, I, I've been known to say that sometimes God squeezes us, not so we can see what's on our ins or not so he can see what's on our inside and how we would react, but so that we can see it. That's great. Because sometimes we lie to ourselves and think like, Oh, you know, as a guy, it's like, well, if somebody broke into my house, here's how I would handle that. And then somebody breaks in your house. You're like, Oh my God. You know, you freak out. You're like, Oh shoot. I didn't, I didn't think I'd respond that way, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of, that's an exaggerated example, of course, but it's the same thing with different life situations. I had, before we had our miscarriages, I'd always like heard of people having miscarriages, but I just kind of thought like, well, but the, the baby wasn't here. So like, I don't understand why that's so hard. Mm. And then I had it. And I was like, Oh, that's a whole different level of despair and pain. Um, so Going through transitions teaches us things about ourselves that maybe we didn't know prior. And I feel like I'm preaching even to myself right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Probably need to do some introspection. Um, but even with, um, like you said, with the church stuff, I'm under no illusions that churches are perfect. I've grown up in church. I helped, I was part of my family who went and helped plan a church. Church is not perfect. Churches are run by people. And if you think that any person mm-hmm. is perfect, you are severely flawed in your thinking. Sorry, uh, but you're severely flawed. So if anything that's run by people is going to have mistakes happen. Yeah. Um, and even when I taught, I used to say that religion and government are great ideas until you involve people. Yeah. And it all gets derailed. So a lot of forgiveness all around. But um, with talking about that transition and, and following your heart, I really like that you said that because that's – it sounds like you you could still lose, but really you don't. If you're following a passion, you're like, hey, let's try it. At least then you have that experience and you didn't do it just because you had to and is begrudging because then if it works out, then you're stuck in something you hate. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's got to be miserable. And if you try something because you have to and it fails, then it's like a lose-lose situation, you know? Yep. And I know not everybody has the opportunity to do things that they love. And I get that everybody's situation is different, but I agree with Taylor for those listening. Like if you can do something you love by all means, go try it. You can do it on the side too. Like that's yeah, how, side that's hustle. How podcasting <laughs> and blogging started. I, it's not like I got paid to somebody's like, Hey, we'll pay you this much money for you to start this. Nobody reached out to me. Yeah, nobody offered that. <laughs> not yeah, to me either. Yeah. If there's somebody out there, I'd love to know who they are. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it was like, is this, is this worth it for me to put in the time knowing I'm not going to make money from the get go with it? And I felt like it was, And so that is why I pursued it. And I did it on the side while being a youth pastor and a mom and a wife and, and all that, I just decided it was worth it to me. Um, And I'm grateful for the time that I had at the church. I made lifelong friends, friends that I text and would call to this day if I need something or I'm struggling with something. So even in that season, a season that didn't last super long, it's still, there were so many things that came out of it that were good, you know? And like I said, it's a great church still to recommend it. Um, but it just wasn't where I needed to be at this point. And honestly, I don't think I was supposed to be anywhere, but at home right now with, with the pregnancy with, with my daughter. And so I'm just going to take it for what it is and just be grateful because without that church, this podcast, my, you know, my podcast and, my book and all that, it would not have happened because they gave me the freedom to explore things and encourage people 
without going, Hey, you can't do that. You know what I mean? They gave me the freedom to do that. And so, um, but if it's worth it to you, then do it on the side and figure it out from there. You know, everybody starts, a lot of people start at the down low, like don't make money from it. It's a crap shoot, but you figure it out. Right. (laughs) I was talking to a guy, uh, Jeff Jenkins. He'll be, uh, by the time this episode airs, that episode will have aired. And he is uh, a blogger. He's been on Forbes, Washington Post, I think, um, Austin American Statesman. Like he's all over the place. He's part of the Black Travel Alliance, all this cool stuff. And um, he's he does the Chubby Diaries. Chubby Diaries, I think, is not the. Anyway, he do, uh, basically has this blog for plus size travel. And he's mm-hmm. trying to promote, it, like, okay, you may, I'm not promoting obesity. I'm just promoting you to just love where you are currently. Like, you may still have weight loss goals, but like, you can still go see the world. Mm-hmm. Like go see the world now. Don't wait till you're 60 and you never got to those weight loss goals. And then you regret everything that you missed out on. Go do it now. Mm-hmm. And I, I love his message, but he's talking about, <laughs> he, he talked about what you just said. You know, everybody that starts something, you start at like the bottom and you're losing money and like you're struggling, but that's why people who have made it are so willing to like reach back and like give advice and offer input. Cause they're like the only difference between me who made it and all the 90% who didn't, is I just refused to quit. I just kept going. So I'll offer my advice to anybody knowing that the majority of you are not going to use it and Mm -hmm. you're going to give up. So why not? Just, here's my breath and And here's my probably Go back to where you were at the beginning, right? Like I left coaching and teaching. Now it's to the point where I'm like, I'm probably going back and that's okay. But I still have the podcast and I still have the blog and I wouldn't have had it if I never would have even started it. Right. And so while my journey looks different than I thought, and that's not just what I'm going to be doing full time, um, that I know of, right. I still am grateful for that because I think even then going back to where you started, it's sometimes really, it was always the intention. We just didn't know it. Right. Yeah. And you may have learned things along this kind of like, excuse me, as I smack my mic, as you, as you went on this roundabout kind of like out of left field trip, if you will, over the past few years away from teaching, you may have learned things along the way that actually are going to make you a much better and more impactful teacher and coach than if you had just stayed in that trajectory uh, uh, the whole time. I, I'm totally in belief that you're learning things now and you're going through things that will make you a better holistic person, honestly, but then also teaching and coaching. Um, and I, I think that's fantastic. I don't think that's a losing situation. Yeah. You're also encouraging me to pick up writing my, my own book that I started a while ago. Do it. Back. Do um, it. So if I'll it's on to... your heart, do you, <laughs> what do you have to lose? Like it, it might, people yeah. might hate it, but <laughs> you did it, right? Like, it was the same for me with the book. I would type something and I'm like, oh, people might be not like that. I said oh, that. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the truth. Like, what am I, who am I doing this for? And it's am my I doing- book. Like, yeah. <laughs> I could write like, what I want. <laughs> right. But I was like, but then at the same time, it's going to encourage somebody. So it's like, I just did it and I put it out there and I crossed my fingers and I was like, I might get hammered on <laughs> everything to under the sun. Every little point. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. And there were even things in that book about me that were tough to put on paper and put out into the world for people to 
to see and pe- like people close to me who didn't know all of those details. And surprisingly, I would get responses like, thank you for sharing that. I still love you. Like you're awesome for, you know, and just those things and not to pat myself on the back. That's not what I'm saying. But ultimately the things I was afraid of are really the things that encourage people the most. Yep. So our fears are what either can be, you know, a blessing to somebody or it could be a setback for us. And so sometimes we have to stare our fear in the face and just do it. And we, it winds up being super encouraging to somebody. I think that's the biggest paradox to talking about things like depression, like having miscarriages, all these dark topics that historically people are discouraged to talk about. And it's like, Oh, well, even in your own mind, it's, it's not like, Oh, well, Taylor told me I shouldn't tell anybody about this. It's not that, but it's in my own mind. I'm thinking like, I'm I'm thinking back to probably four years ago now when depression first started for me um, and thinking like, dude, nobody wants to know about depression. That's literally a depressing topic. And like, if I tell other people about this, they're going to be like, oh, poor Micah. Or just flat out not believe me and tell me to get over it and be like, well, it's a mood thing and you just need to build a bridge and get over it. But then I found, like you're saying, The paradox is I'm terrified of mentioning these things and I've been bullied growing up. So like those external voices are now internal voices and people are going to be nervous or like hate what you're talking about and think that you're ridiculous or something. But then you open up and you find out there were 15 other people. that were way too nervous to say anything. But now that you've said something, they're like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, now I feel safe to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. And that's the thing too. A lot of people feel like, well, if my influence, if I don't tell thousands of people about this, then it really probably wasn't worth it. And it's like, no, maybe there's just one person who needs you to speak up and say something Yeah, that could change the trajectory of their entire life. And you just never know until you step into it. And they may not know or remember all the details of what you share, like a student that I had, um, she came into my room at lunch crying with one of her friends. And she said, Mr. Brown, I don't know who else to talk to, but my brother is dealing with depression. He sounds like he's suicidal. I don't know for sure, but I don't even want to talk to the counselor. I want to talk to you because you've talked about having depression. How can I encourage him? And I was like, yeah, what yeah. <laughs> rewind? What, why are you talking to me? But in my mind, she may not remember any of the details of what I mentioned about having depression, but I hope the one thing she does remember is that it was okay to talk Mm -hmm. about it. It was okay to get it out because that's one of those things that can rot on the inside Mm -hmm. and fester just like resentment for crying out loud, but it can rot and fester on the inside. And if you don't let it out, it'll never heal. Yep. So I'm, I'm with you. I, man, you're the second person, actually the third person now that's made me go, Michael Brown, why have you not, finish writing that book it's things i learned from my dog and it's like a correlation to my own that's life cool. by staring at my dog yeah, yeah. <laughs> and seeing what they're doing <laughs> no, that's awesome. what's been the what's been the main goal with like everything that you're doing with better not perfect um wreck reckless grace reckless mm-hmm. grace reckless grace i was like it's not wrecking grace michael brown i was thinking of the w i was like i know it's a play on words reckless mm-hmm. grace um but what was the the point behind, you know, we're talking about the why, talking about the purpose and the driving factor. What was the driving factor between writing that book 
and then doing what you're doing with Better Not Perfect. Was it the same? Was it different? How was it different? How are they connected? The same. It, it comes back to how can I encourage other people? Because that's what Better Not Perfect is about. It's about not living to be perfect and just trying to be better. And what does that look like? Well, being authentic. So that was the first theme behind it was I want to be as authentic as possible with people um, within reason, you know, some things don't just put everything out into the world because like, I'm not going to go, sure. here's my budget. Like everybody, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and then you run into somebody at Starbucks and like, you're over budget this month. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, um, just one was being authentic. And I think through authenticity, that's how we encourage people. And Agreed. then the third thing was, it's not about me. Um, as much as I think we think the things that we do is about us, it's not right. I, no. I, either I'm going to influence somebody in a positive way or in a negative way. The book was going to influence somebody in a positive or a negative way. But at the end of the day, it wasn't about me. It was about trying to encourage other people to live authentically and to just be where they are. And the same with the podcast. It's to it's not about me, right? It's to encourage other people to live authentically. And so that has been the theme is live authentically. And I think when we do that, then we encourage others because we live in a world that tells us we have to put on this facade that everything is great. My world's not falling apart or I've got everything together. And it, to be honest, if you're a parent, you probably have nothing together. Let's just all be real with each other, right? Like, but for, preach. <laughs> for real. And that way, that's how we connect with people. And I found when I wasn't so worried about my reputation or worried about how other people saw me, other people, I was able to connect with people in a way I never would have been able to if I wouldn't have written the book, started the blog, started the podcast. And so that's been the overarching theme, live authentically and do that to encourage other people. Do you think there's been like a societal shift in the past three, four, five years, something like that, where, um, at least in your experience, where like people have just become fed up with the online persona of who you are. And they're like, that's just flat out, not you. So, I'd rather get to know the real person the, where I'm coming from. And then I'll let you answer um, is like, I feel like prior to the belt, the last four years or so um, maybe five years, it's been like, well, we see what's online. So we immediately think that's the reality. And the longer we're, we're all encumbered with social media, we start to realize what's online very often is not the reality mm -hmm. and it's almost created this like let's go back let's let's go back before social media and like actually value yep. authentic conversation and authentic people who want to mention things like you're talking about and like i'm talking about um because like i call this podcast the most authentic conversations you've ever heard and so i, I feel like there's a shift back to where we highly value those interpersonal relationships, not the online connections and friends. So do you feel that too? Or is that just something unique that's in my own brain? What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think people are starting to use social media to, to impact people in that way. I've seen a lot of people who are genuinely interested in being positive influencers 
that shift has been made. I think still, there's still people who get stuck in that of the perfection. I got to post all the perfect pictures and that's why we have filters and all that other stuff. But I think the people who genuinely seek to encourage other people are in this space of, I don't have to be perfect anymore and are, and are trying to be authentic with that. And I think social media is great if we use it the right way. I have not had social media in a month. I haven't deactivated it. I just deleted it off my I phone. S- and honestly, it's been great. <laughs> I saw your post about that and you're like, yeah, I was taking a break from social media. I'm getting back off. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, but I'll, I'll probably put it back on at some point. But right now in the season that I'm in, I feel like I really needed to take a step back, which is hard because as a yeah. podcaster, as a blogger, social media is where you tell people, hey, I've got this. Here's Free the Free advertising. Link. Yeah. Yep. Go, go look. And I felt like it was something I was supposed to do just to take a step back, like I said, and just evaluating myself and the things that I am trying to figure out about myself and my family right now. And, um, just, so I took a step back from that, but I do think there has been a shift for the people who are genuinely interested in encouraging other people, which is great. I hope that, I hope that continues to trend. I pray that since March, that there has been a societal shift in general about, everything, everything that people are experiencing right now, like things aren't good for a lot of people. And so I really hope that even since March, that too has just been a wake up call for people to go. I'm not the only person dealing with this and I don't have to pretend that I am, you know, or stay in my little shell. And so I hope that it continues that way. I hope so for the sake of my kids, you know, I don't want them to use social media as this place where they feel like, they can't one be themselves or they have to feel inferior to other people or things like that. And so that's another reason I took a step back from social media is just to really try to evaluate everything and how can I guide my kids in this? Cause one day they're going to ask mom, can I have this, you know, can I have Facebook, can I have Instagram? <laughs> Probably gonna be like, no, not ever in your life yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> when they get older, you know, but just trying to make sure that, I create a safe space for them and try to guide them in that. And I hope that other people will do the same for the sake of the next generation to say, how do we use this in a positive way rather than, you know, kids and people looking at this every day, feeling inferior to the people that they're supposed to be connecting with. Yeah. And what stinks is there's just like a, I think, I think some of that inferiority, complex i think that's the right word uh feeling like you're inferior to other people or feeling this necessity to put on a show on social media stems from often the reactions of other people so if like my middle schoolers when i was teaching they would tell me what other people in the school were were commenting on their posts or saying in person and it's like I wouldn't want to be on Instagram either. You know, that's insane. Like, why is that person being such a jerk? I'm not going to say other words on this podcast, but like, why are they being such a jerk? You know? Oh, I only got nine likes. What does that say about me? Like, you know, that, that stuff that, that's so doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) you know, enjoy your experiences with your real life friends. Okay. You know, and, and until you can get out of this bubble called middle school and high school, frankly, um, where, you start to realize that like there's, there's a lot more to live for 
than just Instagram yeah. likes and stuff. Or now yeah. it's like TikTok reposts and likes I'm and all this for kind of stuff. And I, that's how I met my husband. <laughs> it's I mean, well, uh, we nice, went to the same nice. school, but we connected through Instagram. It was weird. I, I remember this story actually. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're saying that, it's like, oh, him? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's in the same way with like, in my first year teaching, I was on, uh, actually it was the summer between first and second year. I was on the like technology committee or whatever for the school to decide if we should go one-to-one. And in this case, it was iPads mm-hmm. with like a keyboard or something for every kid. And I remember the discussion came up like uh, pretty much any parent's going to know this, you know, well, you're giving middle schoolers access to the internet into technology and like they're just Mm going to play games on it or they're going to find things that are inappropriate and they're going to be on these in the middle of class and my comment was my thought was okay who's going to teach them though like you can't just say don't ever touch this in your entire life because guaranteed you're going to have kids that are going to be like you told me not to touch it I'm going to go find one and so why not just teach them like this is actually a phenomenal tool to use if you know how to look for things on Google to find scholarly articles to find information that frankly can be from some random website but it could help you in your own intellectual pursuits you just got to know how to use it and I had kind of this understood rule between me and my students at least um, where I was like, if you knock out all your work and you can prove to me you did all your work, I don't give yeah. two flips what you do on your iPad. Play your little eight ball pool game. That's fine. I'll, yeah. I might play against you if I'm <laughs> done with everything I'm doing. But the point is like we need to motivate them at an understandable level and not just swat their hand every yeah. time they're trying to do Set something that a middle schooler would do. Oh. Yeah. So I think it's the same thing with social media where some adults, frankly, need to relearn how to use social media now not to be a keyboard warrior and just spew out garbage all day long on other people's posts and stuff. And it's like, man, what was the purpose of that? Yeah. Like I was trying to put something out there that like is thought provoking, mm-hmm. like literally just to get you thinking. And now you start a debate with like three other people that I rarely ever talk to on, on, yeah. in my comment thread, like delete, delete, delete all these comments. So anyway, I, I feel like the same thing is happening um, for our students, but I, I feel like, like you said, because of, being in quarantine and because of the pandemic adults are starting to realize okay now i have all the social media in the world and now i have all these virtual interactions through zoom uh or or emails or whatever i need to go talk to a real human being in person and have a genuine conversation because something inside is missing Mm -hmm. and and my my body my human beingness craves that connection there's plenty of science to back that up but i feel like like you said, most people are starting to realize that. Totally agree. If I, I, I got to a place where it was like, if I can't attach a heart emoji to this comment, I'm just not even going to comment. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> I love that. What was your book about? Could you give us like a synopsis to entice the listeners to go pick it up and read it? Yes. Yeah, so Other than what was, you've already said, right? You've already been like, it's, an auth- it's just me being authentic and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, so I share my story of abuse and different elements of my life or relationships that I've had with people and kind of what I've learned through that or what it's taught me. But I share the story not so much because the book is more about my story. It's trying to make connections with people about 
life experiences and how that I believe it can encourage them. And so there's a lot of elements to it. It's not an autobiography or anything like that, but um, just using those scenarios, those stories to say, hey, you might be here. Here's how I feel like this can encourage you. Here's what I feel like, you know, the steps that I took. And I hope that you can at least take one or two of these to help guide you through your experiences. But in it, I shared, like I said, in one of the chapters, I was super authentic about my about myself, like putting my dirt out there, right? Stuff that is kind of embarrassing. Um, but to also just say, I'm not perfect. I've screwed up. Here is the journey that I have taken to experience grace. And so to wrap all that around, it was just how I feel like grace has been provided to me through the things that I've done as well as to the people who may have hurt me or relationships that I've experienced or my childhood and how I have been on this journey of just being able to forgive others, be forgiven and experience grace, which I think is important too, because like you said, we're all human, right? And so there's at some point in our life where we're going to have to forgive someone. And for me, that was a big deal because I realized how much freedom there was in that. And so just trying to provide other people with a safe place where they can kind of dive into the story, dive into how it could lead, what I hope lead them to grace and forgiveness. And hopefully from there, just continue to, you know, do some internal searching and to just live this life of, you know, forgiveness and um, of freedom. So yeah. Uh, having been on the receiving end of some pretty brutal comments and actions, and it sounds like you have as well. Um, what's the purpose as the person who is hurt? What's the purpose or what's the motivation to forgive those people who wronged you? It's to, so that you can be set free from the burdens yep. of what other people have done to you. Because I feel like when we, we don't realize it, but when we have so much unforgiveness in our hearts, one, it drives pretty much every decision we make when we don't even know it. And two, we're giving the other person so much power and we don't even know it. Like we're giving them exactly what they want. We're giving them exactly what they don't deserve, which is to have control over those elements of our lives. And so I feel like the purpose and forgiveness is a lot more about us and how we can forgive them to set ourselves free of the burdens that have been placed on us because of someone else's actions, but then to use that to encourage someone else in their forgiveness journey, right? Like I can't tell, I can't expect other people to forgive me if I haven't even done the work to forgive others, right? And so that was a trap that I kind of fell into also, where it was like, I want all these people to forgive me for all of these things, but have I truly done the same? And so I had to evaluate myself in that too. And that's kind of some of the things that the book, you know, opens up, brings light to. And so just, it, it sounds like a book at first where people are like, am I going to get hammered in this book? And it's actually the opposite. It's how, how can you be encouraged in that rather than feeling the guilt of unforgiveness you might've been experiencing and instead using that to launch you forward into living that free life and then allowing you to encourage other people. And so it's set up like a journey, like we're on a car ride together for every chapter. Like we're, it's literally like we're going on the longest journey ever. Like we're hanging out and we're talking about life. Right. And so I try to make it super laid back too. like, 
Um, I've heard a lot of people have told me they laughed and they actually cried. And then they, you know, were like, oh my gosh, that was a gut check. And then they laughed some more. And so that was the goal of it is to not like That's put you awesome. on this emotional roller coaster, but to connect in different ways. Right. It's the human experience. Yeah. Humans live on an emotional roller yeah. coaster. Yeah, <laughs> That's not unique to a book. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at 2020, y'all. I mean, every every turn, it's like, oh, now murder hornets, and now we've got two hurricanes that might collide into each other and make yeah. one super yeah. hurricane. That's Twice. great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, exactly. Twice. Gosh. I think one literally just made landfall today, uh, the eyewall or whatever, almost in the exact spot <laughs> where Laura yeah. just hit. And I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. I'm not laughing at anybody's pain. I know floods suck. My house, half of it was flooded by our own piping. So um, anyway, that even even what you're saying, just that you're encouraging me indirectly by talking about how people have just responded to what you've written. Um, where you just said, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. And I feel like this is for other people. It's not for me. And now you're having people saying like, yeah, I was laughing. I was crying. I was, it was a gut check. Those are things that I think that's the reason we're made and built to share our stories. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I mean, I, I studied history, um, and I also studied sociology as a minor and then even religious studies and human nature originally was to just share stories. Mm -hmm. Um, there were cultures where they were, nothing was written down. Everything was orally transmitted and they were, it got to the, I want to say it was like hours worth of memorization. And like the way they came of age was they had to memorize everything word for word. Mm -hmm. And so it's built into our, for lack of a better term, genes, I guess, but our human history that, like we're meant to tell stories and I don't think it has to be this big elaborate story, but just share your experiences. That's one thing that I think guys struggle with a lot more than girls, historically speaking, because we're all like, Oh no, we have to put on a brave face and be tough. Yeah. And sure. There's times for that. Like if my house was on fire, it's not time to like, Hey, are you feeling okay? Like, would you like to leave the house? Yeah. That's like collapsing. Or like you want to just stay here for a minute, gather your thoughts and feel like, no, get out of the house. Right. So there's a time for it. But I feel like if guys were a little bit more honest with each other and themselves, quite frankly, um, we'd actually be a lot better off. And it doesn't mean that you can't be tough about certain things. Control your own emotions as much as you can, um, but let them out when they need to be let out. Yeah. And being emotional, for the record, includes being angry. So if guys are like, oh, well, women are really emotional. I'm like, yeah, well, I just saw you burst out in anger rage like five minutes ago. So that was pretty emotional. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that for a minute? Why were you so angry? People think that women, because we do, we word vomit, right? But sometimes it can be very filtered. And I think people think like women are You know are my sister, open. so that's, yeah. that's accurate. <laughs> I, think, I think people are like, oh, well, I'm going to be super open about like all of this stuff or that women are and that it comes easy to share. That's not always the case though, because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to share just enough to make it seem like I'm being super open about this, to make it seem like I'm being authentic. 
but there's more details, you know? And I don't think you tell everybody all of your business, but there is someone who needs to know everything. If it's just one person. And for me, it's been my small group, like those ladies, I'm like, y'all, this is, this is my authentic thought. Like I'm spitting this out as it's coming to my mind. So I really don't even know if what I'm about to say is good. Right. But I have a space where I can go and do that with a small, a handful of people who I know are going to speak truth because that's important. The people that you are being authentic, truly authentic with, they need to be people who are going to speak truth, but who are also going to encourage you. And so I'm just grateful that I have that space where I have those people who I can go to and say, um, this is how I messed up. This is what I'm thinking. This is where I am. Can you uh, pray for me? Can you then speak, speak what's true. And then can you tell me how I'm going to be great and how awesome I am? Right. Yeah. (laughs) You need all that. You got to wrap it in. Yeah. yeah. I used to, um, for me, just sandwich it for real. Yeah. Um, Timothy Keller wrote a book called the meaning of marriage and I don't remember much of it, but I do remember, uh, a principle in there that I think applies to so much more than marriage, pretty much any relationship, um, whether it's friendship, parent to son, parent to daughter, whatever. It's speaking truth in love. Mm -hmm. And the point there that he makes is, okay, on one end, if you're pure truth, 100% truth, then you're like, well, I'm just telling them the truth. I'm just being honest. It's like, okay, you're also a prick. Um, Mm -hmm. That was really hurtful. Yeah. And you can actually injure people with truth. Well, but I was just saying what, what he needed to hear. Probably, probably but you could have said that a little bit more tactfully. Yeah. On the other hand, if it's all love, it's almost like you're enabling if somebody's yeah. doing something they shouldn't be, or you're honestly a little too forgiving. Like you just let things slide all the time. And that's also not a healthy way to have a relationship, friendship, whatever. And so there's this balance in the middle. And I do think it's situation to situation where you need to tell somebody the truth but do it tactfully and out of a place of love, you yeah. know, like filter your words, not to filter out the truth that they need to hear, but filter your words so that you're not injuring somebody when they're already beating themselves up probably, mm-hmm. or they're already feeling really low about what's going on. Um, so just choose words carefully. And I'm totally with you on like, you gotta have people that are your like unfiltered people. They, mm-hmm. It's a safe space for you to just say the, first thing that comes to mind about whatever's going on in your life. Um, I had to word vomit to my safe space, uh, friend Barrett and he j- I got done talking and he just goes, dude, that sucks. Yep. And that was it. And I was like, really out of all of my word choices about everything that I just said, <laughs> that's it. Um, so I've got, I've actually got a, a few friends like that, but I, I've recommended that to even the people that we're doing the premarital counseling for. I'm like, y'all are about to enter a completely unique situation in life that you've never been in before called marriage. You need to have people around you to go to. It doesn't necessarily have to be Elizabeth and me. It doesn't necessarily have to be your best friend, but there's got to be somebody who you can go to that's not your spouse that you can just unload in a safe, protected environment. Because sometimes I got to vent. And if I vent to Elizabeth, it's going to hurt her feelings. And I'm probably going to say some things that are really mean. I need to go vent elsewhere to let all the pressure out so that then I can think clearly and process things in love. So I, I 
totally agree with what you're saying. And I love every bit of that. Mm-hmm. And they help guide you in that. And I tell, I mean, Preston knows everything. I, I think that's important for our marriage. Like I tell him everything. However, we're both biased in certain situations. So I have yeah. to still have that group of people that I can go to that can either help guide me through the conversation that I might need to have with him or, you know, that can provide advice or that might provide a different perspective than Preston, you know, in a positive way. So um, I, I definitely agree with you. Somebody that's not your spouse is important too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I've told Elizabeth, I was like, I always love you. I don't always like you. Yeah. And there are times that I need to get away from you yeah. for a minute yeah. so I can make sure that I'm not, you don't deserve me to blow up on you. And it's the rule of proximity. Whoever's closest to me is going to get hit first and the hardest. Yeah. So I need to make sure I'm like chill before I start talking and mm-hmm. opening my mouth. Cause again, I'm, I'm like my sister and my brother, our, our words come out much faster than our brain thinks sometimes. And it has been a lifelong course of discipline to rein it in and process first before you let the words out. That's how I feel about my two-year-old where I'm like, you know, <laughs> mommy, mommy loves you so much, but I need you to go get a toy that's going to occupy you for just a few mi- minutes, yep. you know, or I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to hide. And hopefully you don't, let's play hide and seek. Yeah. You count to 10. Mommy's going to go hide. <laughs> you, you can find me, <laughs> but I love her. I adore her. Oh my gosh. I could, eat her up. I love her so much. Right. But it's like, um, yeah, I still need to, I need a second. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, um, just a a thought, my perspective is like, now that, now that Charlotte's old enough to kind of process a little bit more, I'll, I'll straight up look at her and go, Charlotte, I am very angry right now. And I need one minute. I'm going to set a timer. I need one minute to just calm down so that I handle this in a good way and make a green choice. That's how our school, you know, green choice, red choice. I want to make a green choice. I need one minute. Do not talk to me. Do not touch me. I need one minute. You can stand there. You can watch, you can listen, whatever. Just don't touch me. Okay, daddy. And I let her watch me decompress, breathe through it. Because that next time when she, not that this has ever happened, even today, but when she starts throwing a fit and she starts slapping her hands on the tile floor and I look at her and I go, Hey, is that how we handle our anger? No. Okay. Is it okay to be mad? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Why don't we sit in the chair and breathe for a minute? I'll set a timer. One minute. Cool off. If you need to go to your room and yell, you can go to your room and yell. That's a safe place to go yell, but don't be yelling at me. You know, Mm -hmm. and and it's, I don't know. I don't know if if Blakeland is that way. You no, know, I do that with my two-year-old. You know, the with me having been sick so much, um, there were a lot of times where I was just bawling my face off, laying on the couch because I couldn't play with my daughter. You know, or and she would come up and say, "Mommy, are you okay?" And I would say, "Mommy's not okay. I will be, but I'm not okay." And instead of going, "Yeah, I'm okay," in her mind, that eventually teaches her, conditions her that she has to pretend that everything's okay, and I don't want that, right? And so now I have I'm to go. You. I'm like, mommy, you know, mommy's sad, and but I'm going to be okay. And she'll give me a hug and she'll go, okay. Or like earlier, I was like, mommy's tired. And she's like, okay, sleep, mama, sleep. Like, I don't, you know, she, she picks up, they pick up so early on that stuff. She doesn't need yep. to know, like, mama's got that, a ton of energy. Yesterday, I looked at her and I was like, you are making mommy very upset. Can you please give mommy a second? Okay, mama. 
And I was like, let's go sit here, eat a pretzel, watch this for a second, right? So even at her age, I think it's very important for me to express my emotions and not try to pretend that it's something other than what she already knows it is, right? And so, yes, I do that very much so with my two-year-old. So I think it's important. That's so great. How is conditioning them? (laughs) Yeah. To like you're you're conditioning your daughter, as I am with my daughter, that emotions are perfectly fine and they're a healthy thing to have in your life and a healthy thing to address and process. However, we're showing both of them like this is how this is a healthy way to address it. Mm Like, I, I don't want to lash out. There was a time when everything was hitting the fan with us and I wouldn't hold it against you if you've had this happen where my anger level and threshold was so much weaker than it was before because everything felt like it was breaking around me. I was immobile. I'm up on, you know, one foot and I, I'm tripping over all four dogs, all the kids, toy debris, and then almost all over my baby trying to scoot around on this knee scooter thing. And I'm losing my mind. And for the 15th time in the three hours that I've been awake for this morning, this puppy that we have is trying to eat the food out of the pantry, out of the, off the table, all this stuff. And I'm losing my mind. And I've had to apologize to my three-year-old. My one-year-old doesn't know what's going on, but I've had to apologize to my three-year-old. I've had to apologize to my wife. I've even apologized to the puppy because I want my daughter to see like, it's not okay to treat literally anybody this way. I apologize to my kid now. She's two. And I say, mommy, sorry. Do you forgive mommy? She probably has no idea what I'm talking about. However, what I've noticed is when she does something, she'll go, I'm sorry, mama. I did not mean to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's so weird because like you don't want it to be a script, but at the same time, if they never know the words to say, like they won't say yep. them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like in <laughs> in like premarital counseling or even marriage counseling. What I'm hearing you yeah. say is, and when you do blank, it makes mm-hmm. me feel blank. Like that those things are very scripted, but when they become a part of your daily routine, you start to see the huge benefit of it. It actually clears Mm -hmm. up a lot of stuff and makes it much easier to communicate. So we're doing that for our kids. And I think that's so crucial because like you said, she's two, but she's picking up on so much more than people might normally think Mm -hmm. a two year old would. I saw that with my sixth graders. I was like, my sixth graders by the end of the year were more mature. And I told my eighth graders this the following year. I was like, my sixth graders last year at the, in May were more mature than you yeah. are presently. So we're going to yeah. get this ship right. You know, like we're going to turn this thing around and get this all squared away because I expect a lot more out of my students than most teachers. And I promise we'll have fun yeah. once we get there. But for now, it's probably going to be yeah. a struggle bus for you. So just figure it out. But we can expect more of the kids. They, they understand more than we give them credit for. And I hope that people and parents especially mm-hmm. understand that. Um, two, two questions kind of, as we wrap things up one, I'd love to know as much as you want to share, how has it been since being pregnant? Like you, you've kind of like told us bits and pieces, but I'd love, I know everybody's going through a struggle right now. How has it been being sick, not being able to, I mean, you even just said you were in tears, like grabbing a pillow. Like I've been there for my own reasons, but how has that been for you? And I know you're still in that journey, in that season. What are you kind of learning from that, if anything? I mean, maybe not yet, and that's okay to say, but how has that been for you? Yeah, it was for me, I like I said, I'm a, 
I'm a planner, but even more so, I'm always filling my schedule with things, always. And this has forced me to a place where I haven't been able to, like physically, I physically have been unable to schedule or do much of anything. And it, again, it revealed to me how important take living in this season, living it on purpose with my daughter right now, right? Because even when I was a youth pastor, my schedule was crazy at certain times. Like she was with me, but she really wasn't because I was so crazy busy. I feel like this, what I have learned so far is that sometimes seasons require us to slow down and we don't really have an option. And even in quarantine, you would think that would have been the case for me, but it wasn't. It wasn't until I got pregnant that I was then like, this is teaching me to be purposeful with my daughter because she's about to have a sibling come and I really need to make sure that I'm making sure that the time I'm spending with her right now is purposeful and that she sees it. There's a lot of intentionality behind it. The same with my husband. My husband's a Texas football coach and Texas football is absolutely ridiculous. Like it's, I I cannot even explain this it's like Greek mythology. It's like the Greek gods and everything. It's like, this is religion. Yeah. 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 Like I can't even explain the schedule. And so it's even taught me being intentional with him when I have that time with him. And so um, I think there's more that I'm going to learn out of this season. But right now, the main thing is purpose, being purposeful and just intentional about everything that I do, especially when it comes to my family, because sometimes I feel like when I overload my schedule, they kind of they don't get put on the back burner on purpose but it it happens right and so it has just shown me especially if I do go back to coaching and teaching next year a time where schedules get crazy and they get nuts and there's a, a high demand how am I still putting my kids first and how am I being intentional with them every single moment that I have with them rather than just going oh there's always tomorrow oh, well, we always have next week to go do this, right? Like even times where I take my daughter to the park randomly because it's totally off schedule, but it's like, she wants to go. Let's go have some fun. Let's do, let me do something with her when, you know, that's only been in the last two weeks when I actually have been able to walk around, (laughs) right? But just being intentional. And so um, I think that's what I'm learning right now. Like I said, there might be more to it, but um, right now it's just intentionality. That's fantastic. That uh, park example literally happened this morning. Daddy, I want to go to the park. And I was like, man, my foot hurts. Cause I just started getting back on my foot. I was like, my foot hurts. So you know what? Let's do it. You want to go to the park? Let's do it. I really don't have a good excuse. I can rest later. Like you're being so good. You even ask politely. That's something we've been working on. You know, like daddy say, say, please, you know, um, that intentionality is so good. I think the, the principle underlying that is like, when you've been able to plan things before, I, I think we, when we, when we get to schedule things out and like when things are going normal and things are going fine, we kind of miss out on the little pieces here and there. But then also when it's all stripped away, we're like, Oh no, you know, maybe I should appreciate these two minutes of energy that I have or this 30 minutes of energy that mm-hmm. I have. Like I got to make the most of it, which I think is kind of what we were talking about earlier with the human connection. Now everything's virtual. So we're missing out on what we took advantage of prior, which was seeing people face to face all the time, hugging each other, um, that sort of thing. And also, if you haven't listened to it, I'm, I'm shamelessly plugging Tim Ferriss's podcast where he interviewed Kevin Hart. Um, he talked about what you're talking about, where uh, 
just in his own way. He said, everything he does, he does a hundred percent. And what that translates to is when I'm with my family, I'm 100% with my family. I'm not on my phone taking business. I'm not, you know, trying to go lock down some new real estate venture. I'm not taking photos with random fans or anything like that. I'm 100% with my family. Mm -hmm. If you come up and ask me in the mall to take a picture with me, I'm going to tell you, no, can't you see I'm with my kids? I don't need to explain this to you and keep on walking. He said, but whenever I'm working, I'm 100% working and I'm in that moment, 100% take full advantage of it. Um, So, I think that principle is is a very good idea for anybody listening. Be in the moment, hundred percent. Even like Taylor's saying, like be more intentional intentional with your time, with your your babies, with your family. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're not married. Maybe be just more intentional with your friends right now. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows what they're going through? That's yeah, fantastic. exactly. I'd love to end with some encouragement. Not that you haven't been encouraging pretty much this entire time, even just by being vulnerable. Uh, but what encouragement would you give to those listening to women, to mama bears, to friends? What would you, what encouragement would you give? Be okay with where you are right now and then work to get better. That That's, I think that's what I'm learning the most right now. And just feeling like I'm supposed to be somewhere when in reality where I'm supposed to be is exactly where I am. And so, especially with the transitions of my plans being shaken up and my career being so up and down, up and down, which is not normal for me. I knew what I wanted to do when I was in eighth grade and I stuck with that until I went to ministry. (laughs) So it's, it's totally unnormal for me, but just be okay with where you are, but don't be okay with staying there. So do what you gotta do to get better, to continue to what I hope is thrive, but be okay with where you are because there's something in it that I feel like we can learn from it. We just have to be willing to open our eyes to it. The the metaphor in my mind of you saying that is like a road trip. Some people want to just speed through from one city to the next and just like be in the car the whole time. And you, what you're saying is like, <laughs> get, is what? That's my husband. He's like, that truck just <laughs> passed us. I'm not stopping for a restroom break because then they're going to pass us again. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. God put that truck on this earth <laughs> to bother yeah. you like this. To keep me from yeah. going to the bathroom. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that makes me think of uh Christmas vacation, whenever the truck like is trying to pass them and he speeds up just to like stay in front. Why? Like there's no point. Just let him freaking go. Well, now we're potty training. So he has no choice but to stop. If our two-year-old says, I have to potty. I'm like, well, mama's got to potty too. (laughs) Either we're stopping or you're cleaning up. Or I'm pregnant. That's another, that's been another excuse. I'm pregnant. Do you really want to treat your pregnant wife like this? (laughs) Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Number one, how dare you? Yeah. (laughs) But the metaphor is like, people just want to drive. But what you're saying, and I totally back up, is get out of the car, enjoy the scenery, take some pictures, enjoy it, and then proceed wherever you were going. Or even if you don't enjoy it, even if you're not enjoying it, what is in it for you though? There's something yeah. there for you. And so you, it might suck because I'd be lying if I said, well, I'm just enjoying every aspect of it. I'm enjoying time with my daughter. Yeah. But outside of that, it's like, all of this sucks. Right. But there's something in it for you. And then, like you said, get back in the car and keep moving forward and see what's next. Yep. I, to run with that metaphor, don't forget to put gas in the tank. Sometimes you got to pause and you got to recharge mm-hmm. and you got to make sure that you're, you're good to keep moving forward. And that's something that Elizabeth and I have focused a lot on is like, 
admitting when we're empty because then we're not good for anybody Mm -hmm. around us. Um, One of my very first episodes, we talked about um, love buckets and how if our love bucket is empty, then we can't pour out love on other people, especially our spouses. It's just dust. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the way, you know, talking about love languages, the way that love is dumped out is not the same thing that fills the bucket. And being able to have that open line of communication and the right words to say of like, I am empty right now. If we go on date night right now, I, it, I, I don't, I won't be a hundred percent for you. Mm-hmm. Like I need to take a break. I need one hour to myself and then I'll be ready for date yeah. night. Yeah. And so just make sure you got fuel in the car. Those of y'all that are listening probably in the car, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that you, your internal uh, fuel gauge is yeah. reading full. Totally um, but that's great. Well, I'd love to know uh, for the listeners, how can people connect with you? I know you're obviously dialing back social media. Um, so if there's like your website or something, mm-hmm. obviously people need to go buy the book um, and, and read it, be encouraged, maybe cry, laugh a little bit, but how can people connect with you? Yeah. Um, so at this point with my social media, like I said, I might get it back. I just don't know when right now I'm just trying to recharge in all facets. Um, but the w- website, I have a contact us page. And so they can just go to that page and just shoot me a message Um, and I won't like blow them up with emails. They're not subscribing to anything. If they do that, you can subscribe to the website and get updates like on blogs or podcasts and things like that. But, um, yeah, if they just go to contact me, then I'm pretty good at responding. So as long as it's not a spam, we're good. And, uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll be sure to respond to them. I like talking to people or emailing back or whatever. So that's the best way to connect with me right now. Okay, perfect. Who knows? By the time this episode actually gets out there, you might be on social media and yeah. be like, okay, we're good. Let's yeah. do this. And the website is tayrambo.com. So T A Y and then my last name, rambo.com. So that's how they get there. Okay, good to know. I'll, I'll make sure to put that in the episode description so everybody can go just click on it. Um, even if you're listening to this in the car, um, don't click on it while you're driving, yeah. but you don't have to go take a note. Tell Siri you know, to remind there. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't say her name out loud. My phone will wake up and be like, yes, I'm sorry. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. That or the, the robot, the Amazon robot. Alexa. I cannot speak her name. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm glad I'm wearing headphones right now because now she's, she'd probably be like recording every bit of this conversation. <laughs> be like, I don't see anything online about, you know, Tay Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing in our Amazon store about that. Um, But anyway, I actually, your book would be on there. I'm getting off track. Anyway, go to your website, tayrambo.com. Contact us. That's how they can communicate directly with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And other than that, read the book, get to know you, listen to your podcast. What's the podcast called for all of our listeners? Better Not Perfect. If you haven't heard that, every 15 minutes that we've been talking yeah. in this podcast, you've missed the whole point of it, but better not perfect. Um, Taylor, I know that you have a, a similar mentality. I wouldn't say exact same mentality, but a very similar mentality to me of having those authentic conversations, authentic times where you, you let out parts of your life, which many people I've said this on previous episodes, of my own, but many people may think that you're sharing a whole lot but to you, it's, it's not the full story. There are certain pieces you keep close to the chest. You only share with your husband you share with your small group, that sort of thing. But uh, we do that 
so that people can be encouraged. So for all of you listening, I hope that you've been encouraged by Taylor during this podcast, this special uh, melting of the minds together to make a very potent, encouraging, authentic conversation. Taylor, I appreciate you so much for, um, despite how you may be feeling right now, for taking this time uh, to be on this podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Awesome. Well, we will keep in touch and um, make sure that we keep on encouraging people together. Take care. You too. What a great conversation with Taylor Rambo. Man, if there was somebody else out there who is, you know, on the same wavelength as far as why we do what we do, uh, it would be Taylor. And I appreciate her taking some time. She's got a lot going on in her life, um, just like many of you know what's been happening in mine. And um, I just really appreciate her taking the time. Guys, again, if you go to tayrambo.com, that's T-A-Y, R-A-M-B-O.com. That is her website. You'll find everything you ever wanted to know about what she's up to, how to get her book, contact her, get to the podcast, all of that stuff. That's the best way to contact her. I strongly encourage everybody to check out her book, Reckless Grace. That's W-R-E-C-K, Reckless Grace. Uh, A little play on words there, but she is a fantastic person. Um, Her podcasts are exponentially shorter than mine. So a little bit easier to digest. Uh, I think the longest one I saw was 30 minutes and most of the time they're like less than 20. So uh, go listen to those. Be encouraged. She does a fantastic job of just being raw from where she is, but in a way that makes you feel like you can take on the day. Um, So I definitely encourage y'all to go listen to her, especially if you're a mom, uh, just because that's what she is. And so a lot of times she encourages people from her state of life of where she is. Um, So if you're a mom, definitely go check her out. If you're a woman, check her out. And if you're a guy, man, just needing some encouragement, go check it out. She's great. I appreciate her time. Again, please uh, subscribe, share, like, follow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, If you search at actual MVP, that is how you can find me on those uh, social media platforms. Uh, Even on Facebook, I think if you type in at actual MVP, it'll take you to the Micah Brown podcast page. That is how you can find me. I appreciate all of you. Be sure to support the podcast. Keep these conversations going. Love you. Have a great weekend. Bye.